Hey, so I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning. Um, Kind of uh, just more conversational from my heart to you. Uh, There was an event that transpired uh, last Sunday that I'll share a little bit about, not too much about, but a little bit about that I kind of have been just wrestling with all week. And I wanted to share some thoughts with you to kind of encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us, make you think a little bit and help us to uh, kind of have a game plan um, in in our faith as we move forward. Um, And I want to talk to you about a small phrase, a three-letter phrase, it all depends. Depends. It all depends. And let me read a scripture and then we'll jump into it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Scripture that I learned as a child that I have carried with me through life that I forget many times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. This phrase, it all depends, is usually used um, to reference times of uncertainty uh, or uh, possible scenarios, right? The Bulldogs have a new coach this year. We're going to win it all. Well, it all depends. It all depends on a lot of things. You know, are you going to get the promotion at your job this year? Well, it all depends. It all depends on if that person finally retires. It all depends on if a position opens up. It all depends on a lot of things. As you go through life, there are many moments of uncertainty that the outcomes of those situations really depend on various circumstances and situations. And so a lot of our lives are spent kind of in this moment of anticipation, expectation, uncertainty, where We hope for something, we aspire to something, we have goals for something, but really there's uncertainty that surrounds whatever that is that leaves us kind of waiting to see what happens, so to speak. And so a lot of us have to live lives unsure of things, and so we have to live by way of faith, specifically as followers of Christ, we're called to live lives of faith. Now, Faith sometimes seems like kind of a churchy word that we don't fully understand, but faith is a part of all of our lives, right? You had faith this morning when you got into your vehicle that it was going to crank when you turned the key or pushed the button. You had faith when you sat down on these picnic tables, with the exception of this one back here, it's a little shaky, that it would hold you up, right? The outcome that you were expecting was based on the faith that you had in the object. Whether it's your vehicle, whether it's other people driving that they weren't going to cross the yellow line, whether it's the seat that you're sitting in. And so we live lives with faith, but our faith depends on a lot of things. And as often as we can, we have a tendency, just as humans, to want to control those objects of dependence. And so as as much as possible, we try to depend less on things outside of our control so that we can make sure that we're in charge of the outcomes that we're experiencing, right? We would all rather experience failure and say, that was my fault, I'm the one that was to blame for that, than to have someone else impact us negatively because that leaves us bitter and we feel a grudge against people because of something they did affected us negatively. So we try as much as possible to control our situations And so this this phrase, it all depends, leaves us with an understanding that in life there's always uncertainty, but with kind of a goal to try to control the uncertainty as much as possible. 
And whether you realize this or not, living a life of faith in Christ actually calls us to do just the opposite of that at times. To depend less on ourselves, to understand our limitations that keep us from experiencing God's best for us and not depend on things that we can control and rather depend fully on Christ alone and understanding that he has our best in mind and that he can control situations in a greater fashion than we can. So this phrase, it all depends, it for today's time is going to be faith. Faith all depends. Having faith in anything depends on something. But faith all depends. I use the word all because um, the writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. Faith requires a full-on commitment from your heart to believe, to trust, to depend, to rely on Christ, on God, on his provision, on his protection, on his uh, path that he opens up for us. You ever found yourself in situations where you say you believe in God and you, and you try to live a life that pleases him, but you find yourself depending less on him in certain situations and more on yourself? It can be a dangerous place to be in life because when we begin to depend on ourselves, we sometimes skew the objectivity that we're limited in our abilities and in our opportunities. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Do you know that you can be fully convinced that there's a way that is right, and yet it could lead you to death? It could lead you to disaster. It could lead you to corruption. It could lead you into an unhealthy place. Yet you can be fully convinced that that path, that way, is right. If you're honest enough to admit that there have been moments in your life that you have been wrong, then that is all the more reason for us to understand that our perception of things is not always reliable. Our understanding is not always the best judge for decisions and the path that we should lead. The fact that we're wrong sometimes, many times in life, should allow us to understand that we're limited in our abilities and that we need to depend on something much more reliable than our understanding. See, God's ways are higher than our ways. So many times we don't understand what God does in our life until later and we're able to look back on those seasons, those circumstances in our lives. And while we may not understand, things may not seem fair, things may not seem to make sense, it may not seem right what's happening in our lives sometimes. Sometimes God's using those seasons and situations to make us into who he wants us to be so that we can finally experience and receive his best blessings for us in life. You'll have to excuse my, my buddies up here in the, uh, the nest. Apparently they're going to stick around for the sermon. And so we have to understand that we cannot lean on our own understanding. We can't depend on our own understanding. We can't rely on our own understanding alone to lead us down the right path because we're flawed humans. We're flawed humans. Faith 
all depends, and you say, on what? And I'm saying that faith all depends is a complete sentence in itself. That we have to understand that with faith comes dependency. All of our faith depends on something, and you get to choose what your faith depends on. Is your faith going to depend on your abilities? Is your faith going to depend on your past record? Is your faith going to depend on your relationships or your, your statuses in life? Is your faith going to depend on your possessions? Is your faith going to depend on Christ? Because your faith's going to depend on something. And obviously what I want to urge you today is to make sure that your faith all depends on Christ. Because it's going to depend on something. Now let me tell you very briefly about news that I received last Sunday morning. As the pastor of one of the largest churches in America announced last Sunday morning that the board of directors at his church, the pastoral advisory team, a church that's 16 years old, a church that he started himself, a church that ran over 30,000 people and met in multiple campuses. He was removed from his role as pastor in the church that he started because he began to abuse alcohol. And you know, at first news of hearing that, I, I, I kind of got really disappointed. You know, here's another prominent Christian figure that has kind of blown it. Another prominent Christian figure that has missed the mark, that has scarred Christianity, that scarred the church, right? Pastors of all people should be perfect. They should have clean records. They should never do anything wrong, right? And so here's another prime example of how people in the church are hypocrites, right? So I was disappointed. I hated to hear the news, but the more I thought about it this week, the more I realized my humanity. Did you know that like me, you are simply one stupid decision away from disaster in your life? That you could live an entire life with a great record, with a clean record, and everything be going, going well, and you could make one terrible decision, one simple decision that could ruin it all, that could throw everything you've worked for out the window. We're simply one decision away from disaster. And the thing that stuck out to me about the statement that this pastor made to his church, who didn't deny it, who didn't try to cover it up and hide it, who admitted that this was true and this was the right thing to do. He apologized to his church because he said, I began to depend on alcohol more than I depended on Christ. And man, that stuck with me. He began to depend on something other than Christ to find comfort, to find security, to find relief from stress. And it led to a place that he would have never dreamed of going. It led to a time in his life that he could have never imagined. Can you imagine starting a church and 16 years later having over 30,000 people attending your church and you get fired from that very church because you're dependent on alcohol? I guarantee you he never would have imagined that that would have happened. But what happened was he was distracted from depending on Christ. And I'm not above being distracted from depending on Christ. And you're not above depending on something other than Christ. And so we've got to guard ourselves 
from allowing other things to become more prominent in our lives than Christ that allow us to depend and rely on them for our success, for our comfort, for our future, for our hopes, dreams, and ambitions. And so what I want to do for the next few moments is um, I want to share with you uh, three, three things that have helped me personally become more dependent on Christ throughout my years as a Christian. Uh, these aren't the only three things that will make you more dependent on Christ. Obviously, I'm just kind of sharing some of my story with you today, and a lot of you have heard some of this, but obviously prayer makes you more dependent on Christ. Obviously, reading God's Word and obeying God's Word makes you more dependent on Christ. Our attitudes, our thoughts, understanding that we're limited and our understanding isn't reliable, that Christ is reliable, that He's always faithful, that He never changes. All those knowledges are basic to living lives that depend on Christ. But I want to share with you three things that have helped me depend more on Christ. And these are things that go against traditional understanding. Remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So sometimes when we understand certain things certain ways, it's important for us to make sure we don't lean onto those things, that we resist things that we fully understand or we think we understand. And so these are just three things that have helped me do that. Um, the first thing is fasting. Fasting. If you're familiar with Scripture, you'll know that there is a spiritual discipline called fasting by which nations in the Old Testament, individuals, kings, prophets, people who followed God would go through seasons where they would resist food, they would push the plate back, they would go without eating for a season, for a day, for a meal, whatever it looked like, in order to seek God with a more steadfast heart. That there would be times that they would refrain from eating, which is obviously a life necessity. So our understanding would say that we should always eat. That would be our understanding. But fasting says, I'm going to withdraw from eating for a season, a set period of time, whatever that looks like, so that I can seek God more intimately. And I learned as a kid to fast. My parents taught me to fast. Fasting has played uh, a vital role in many moments of my life. It was during a season of fasting that I really felt called into ministry. When I was attending a, an engineering college and thought that I had my life's dreams coming down the a pipe, so to speak. It was during a season of fasting that God spoke to my heart and called me into ministry. It was during a season of fasting that I decided to go into student ministry. See, when I graduated college, I didn't know if I wanted to go into coaching or if I wanted to go into ministry. I knew that God had called me to serve Him and to work with young people at the time. But So I began to fast over a major decision in my life, and I asked God to give me clarity, and He miraculously opened up a opportunity through a simple conversation that I had with someone in my college that led to my first job that I interviewed for a part-time job and was offered a full-time job. It was during a season of fasting that that happened. It's a season of fasting that, that I've broken up with young ladies, and it was during the seasons of fasting that young ladies have broken up with me, that kept me as I was just praying, God, is this who I'm supposed to spend my life with? It was also during a season of fasting uh, that I met my wife. It was a season of fasting where I was just 
asking God, would you pre- please just bring the perfect person into my life? And, and Lindsay is beyond the woman of my dreams that I could have ever prayed for. If you're in a season of fasting that I felt led to ask her to marry me. It was during a season of fasting that we felt that our season in student ministry was over. It was during a season of fasting that we committed to start this church. Almost every major decision that I've ever made in life has been made in a season of fasting because I was taught from a young age that when you're uncertain about things, when you don't know where to go, there's times where you just have to get serious with God and you just got to fast. Now, I know in our culture, a lot of us fast in a lot of different ways. And I've heard of people fasting from social media and people fast from um, lots of different things. But I believe that biblical fasting, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Those things are great. But I believe that biblical fasting is found in Scripture is from food. And that if there are moments in our lives that we fast, that we intentionally say, God, I'm going to seek you during this time of my life, that God will do some things in us and through us that we could never do if we depended on ourselves. It's basically an invitation to allow God to do something, and it's making us depend on him more. In the past, we as a church have done a fast at the beginning of a year. We did a 21-day fast a couple of years ago to start the year, and some people fasted all meals, and some people fasted one meal a day, and some people fasted various different things. And towards the end of last year, I began just praying, God, would you just kind of help me to rely and depend on you more? And I felt led uh, into a season of what I've come to call. I haven't heard of anyone doing it. I'm sure they have. Um, But what I call a fasting tithe, which basically means I'm giving 10% of my year to the Lord through fasting. The first three days of every month, I don't eat. I seek the Lord. I pray. It's not easy. I'm not trying to brag and tell you that you should do what I do, but it's just an opportunity for me the first three days of every month just to say, God, I want you to have your way in my life. I want to stop depending so much on any abilities or any dreams or aspirations I may have, and I want to invite you simply to speak and move in my life. Now, I can't tell you that through July, seven months of three days of fasting that I've seen anything phenomenal take place per se, but I believe that I will. And I believe that one day I'll look back and say it was this commitment that allowed myself to depend more on God and trust him to do greater things in my life than I would have experienced had I depended on my own. And so I want to encourage you to make fasting a part of your life. For many people, that that simply means fasting one meal a day at any given time. You're facing a difficult situation. You've you've got a hardship. Uh, You've got a need in your life. Just give up lunch one day and just say, you know what? When I'm supposed to be eating, I'm going to allow those those hunger pangs to remind me to depend on Christ. I'm going to pray and seek him and invite him to move in my life. You'll be amazed at the clarity that he'll give you when you begin to depend on him more. It's a great, great, great strategy if you want to depend more on Christ and lean less on your understanding in life. I know many of you fast. You've told me you fast. Uh, My father-in-law is actually doing this fasting tithe with me, and uh, we're believing together that uh, as a church, collectively, that if you'll fast as well, that God will do some amazing things 
in our lives. Here's the, here's the second thing that I found in my experience that has helped me lean less on my understanding and rely and depend more on Christ. And it's tithing. It's tithing. Now, I know when we mention the word tithing or giving in church that a lot of people immediately kind of throw their arm up and they've heard this talk before and they kind of resist it. Um, I've never met a tither that was offended when I talked about tithing. And I've never met a tither that regretted tithing. And I've never met someone who tithed that didn't depend on God more than they would have otherwise. See, tithing, as taught in Scripture, is simply giving your first 10% of your income to the Lord. And again, as a young man, I was taught to tithe. had a conversation with my wife this week, actually, and um, I kind of have been down about a few things in my life and um, just kind of singing the blues in a certain, few certain areas. And my wife um, reminded me this week that sometimes what we're going through is a result of things that we've been doing for a long time that in the moments we didn't see progress. And tithing for that has been one of those things. See, my wife started an online business several years back. I'm not here to promote the business, not here to tell you about the business. Simply here to say that we have never experienced more financial freedom in our lives than we are experiencing right now. That God has abundantly blessed my wife's business. It's, it's really a miraculous blessing that we're experiencing. And my wife will tell you, my wife told me, it's nothing that I've done like, it's not that I've worked so hard for this. It's really surreal because I feel like, she said to me, this is just the Lord blessing us for faithfully giving over all these years in our marriage. You know, some people would teach you, they would say that if you tithe, if you give a full 10% to the Lord, then press down, shaking together, running over, the Lord's going to pour out a blessing on you. And they would teach that the Lord's going to return that to you financially. And I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that if you'll start right now giving 10% of your income, the next month you're going to start getting promotions. But I've seen it happen. And I can't tell you that this time next year you're going to double your income simply by starting to give 10% to the Lord. But I've seen it happen. And I can't tell you that this is a legalistic approach to life by which if you don't do this, then God's going to be mad at you and he's going to strike you dead and, and you're going to live life with all kinds of diseases and curses on your life. I'm not here to teach that either. I'm simply here to tell you that for me, for Lindsay and I, over the last eight years, almost nine years of our marriage, we have faithfully given a full 10% of our income to the local church that we were part of. And there were seasons in our life that I didn't know how we were going to eat. I'm being honest with you. I did not know how we were going to make it. And you say, well, giving away 10% of your money will make things a little harder. Yeah, sometimes it will. But I can also tell you now on this side of things that there are blessings that God does for you. But you know what the greatest thing that tithing does? It doesn't make you rich. It increases your faith. When, when, when moments where you don't know how you're going to be able to buy a meal or make a payment and you still choose the Lord's blessed us with income and we're going to give 
and you know you got needs that that money should go towards, and you still choose to honor God with it, and you receive a check in the mail from someone you hadn't talked to in years that just said was thinking about you this week, wanted to bless you, and it was the amount of money that you needed, it increases your faith. That's happened to us multiple times. And I can say that I depend on God more now than I do our income because he has always taken care of us. And Lindsay reminded me this week, the faithfulness in our giving to the Lord has invited this blessing into our lives. And we've learned, we've learned to depend on him more because of this spiritual decision to tithe. It's not a financial decision, it's a spiritual decision. And so when I fast, I'm depending less on my understanding. And I'm saying, God, I need you to do something in my life because I know that I'm limited in my understanding of things. And when I tithe, I'm depending less on my understanding. And I'm inviting God to move in my life and do things in my life that only he can do in my life. And here's the third thing that I've learned over the years. And that's serving. When I fast, when I tithe, when I serve, it makes me more dependent on Christ and less dependent on myself. You know, the world we live in kind of teaches us that the more success you have, the more people serve you, the more people meet your needs, the more people are under you to do your bidding, so to speak. So you lead other people and they do things that you no longer have to do. That's the beauty of having kids. Can't wait till I can get a little older. It's a joke. Sort of. But the opposite of that is true in the kingdom of God. The greatest among us is the servant, Jesus said. If you want to be first, you have to be last. And Jesus himself, when no one honored all the guests at a particular meal by washing their feet, which was customary in the day, Jesus himself wrapped a towel around his waist and got down and began to wash his disciples' feet. Why did he do that? Because he was a servant. He came to serve. He didn't come to be served. And I know a lot of times when we talk about serving, we kind of talk about opportunities in the church, right? And really, a lot of times if we boil it down, we say we have opportunities to serve means we have things that have to get done, right? Somebody's got to set up a portable church. Somebody's got to watch the kids. Somebody's got to pack it all up. And so we present opportunities to serve because something's got to get done, right? But please, look beyond church. You know, every time I cut my neighbor's grass, it makes me depend more on Christ than on myself. It's me humbling myself and saying, I'm not too good to go over and cut a neighbor's grass. Every time I help a neighbor build a fence, it's me saying, God, I want to I share your love more with people. It's not confined to church, but in church as well. I met with a pastor this week. And he made a statement. He said, you know what's wrong with the church today? I love statements like that. I tend to make them myself when I'm not in the company of certain people, and I shouldn't. But he said, you know what's wrong with the church today? And I said, what's wrong with the church today? He said, the church today just wants to be served. They just want to show up, have people give them a good experience. They want to leave, feel good about themselves, and they don't want to do anything. And I was like, well, that's not, that's not true for all. He was like, I'm telling you, that's what's wrong with the church today. A bunch of selfish individuals 
And I had to kind of calm him down and say, look, 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 you've got some faithful people in your church that make it possible for you to do what you want. Name a few. And he began to name a few. And I was like, you feel a little better? And he was like, well, it's only a few, though. (laughs) The truth is, opportunities to serve aren't like opportunities to get recognized and say, you know, you did a great thing. They're opportunities to depend less on yourself. It's to say, my world doesn't exist for me, but I exist for my world. It's a way to reverse a natural understanding of things and allow ourselves to engage in life in such a way that helps us depend less on ourselves and our own understanding and more so on Christ because we follow in his example. Listen, there's lots of ways that you depend on Christ. As I was praying this week, I, just, I thought of those three things that have taught me to depend on Christ more so than I naturally would. And I hope that you'll consider at moments in your life, specifically when you have large decisions to make, to fast. Fast. When you feel like you're praying and your prayers aren't being answered, man, it's an opportunity to say, I'm not even going to eat today. I'm not going to, I've done this, I'm not going to eat until I get an answer. I've done that before and starved for a long time. I have. To tithe. To say, God, I'm going to trust you as my provider. My workplace isn't my provider. My talents, my hard work, it's not my provider. God, you're my provider. To serve in the church, out of the church, to look for opportunities to bless others instead of being blessed yourself. All of these things remind you that against your own logic, life isn't about you. Life isn't about me. And I can depend a lot less on myself and be a lot better for it if I'll learn to trust in Jesus more. So here's, here's how I want to kind of end our time together. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you just by way of encouraging you. And then after I read these scriptures to you, I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come. Um, and they're going to lead us in a final song. And during the final song, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord's table, Holy Communion. Um, and listen, we're at Fort Yargo State Park. There's nothing fancy here. We don't have fancy wafers and nice cups for you. We've got some loaves of bread that you can rip a piece of bread off. We've got a solo cup with some grape juice in it. You can dip it in. Okay? And, and the juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed for you, and the bread represents the body of Christ which is broken to you in accordance with instructions from the Apostle Paul in Corinthians. As often as we partake in the Lord's Supper, it should be a reminder of the Lord's sacrifice for us, and it's an opportunity for us just to center our attention, our mind on the Lord and trusting in Him and believing that His best is for us. And the song that they're going to be singing is a song called Death Was Arrested that just reminds us of the power of Christ's sacrifice for us. So let me read a couple of scriptures, and then I'll invite the band to come back and and lead us. This is Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Listen to that. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. 
That's what depending on our own flesh and strength and man will do. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, who's convinced that God has their best in mind. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le- its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Trusting in the Lord invites blessings into our lives. And lastly, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Some of you may be going through difficult times. You may be going through difficult circumstances. Please hear these words this morning. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Find rest in God alone. Not any kind of substances, not in any kind of experiences, not in any kind of thoughts or attitudes. Find rest in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for our God is our refuge. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. He goes on to say, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. We're all just one terrible decision away from disaster. We're all just one mistake away from missing it all and losing everything that we've worked so hard for in our lives. The key is to rely, to depend less on our own understanding, not on our understanding at all, and trust more in God and believe by faith that in times of uncertainty, that he is in control and he's got our best at heart. Brent, I'm going to invite you and Zach to come back and lead us in this final song. And I simply want to pray as they're coming that, uh, that God would help us all depend on ourselves less, trust in him more, and that he would miraculously provide the best life, the life that only he can cause us to experience as we trust in him. And then as they begin to sing, let me give you these instructions and we'll just go ahead and wrap things up. As they begin to sing, you can make your way um, over here. My parents are going to have the elements for communion. If you feel comfortable, feel led to, just make your way, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the grape juice. Let it be a reminder of the sacrifice of Christ for you just a a simple reminder to trust in him because he's always had your best in mind and then we're not going to pass giving buckets today but if you came prepared to give on this back table back here you'll see a couple of buckets there's giving envelopes in there if you need a giving envelope but you can always give as we encourage you to online at synergygiving.com After we partake of the elements, let's come back and just sing this song together. And then we'd love for you to stick around for for lunch. We've got sandwiches um, and apparently world-famous coleslaw by Jim Greer. So make sure you stick around for that. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing together. Lord Jesus, Lord, we realize how close we are 
to our humanity and, and to really, by depending on ourselves and our own strengths, our own abilities, our own talents, depending on ourselves, we're simply a, a mistake away from disaster. And my prayer, Father, is that we would learn to depend less on ourselves and depend more on you, to, de- to trust in you with all of our heart, not just some of it. So help us to lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge you, and we ask you to direct our paths. I pray for every man, woman, student who's hearing my voice today that may be going through a difficult time, that as they consider perhaps fasting and inviting your blessings into their life by sacrificing physical provision, as, as they consider tithing and giving generously, as your word teaches us, that they would learn to trust in you more and more as their provider, as they look for opportunities to serve others in the church, out of the church. Would you use these things simply to remind us, Father, that we're not that important, that life's not all about us, that it's all about you, and you are reliable. We can depend on you fully. We can trust in you with all of our heart, and you'll have our best in mind. So as we remember the cross, And partake of the elements, I pray that you would bless them over our lives as we sing this incredible song about how your sacrifice literally arrested death once and for all and invited us all into a life that's full and abundant. I pray your blessings, your favor upon your people. In Jesus' name.